I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode 12 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. Today's episode is going to focus on parenting. How much should you push your kids growing up? How much should we try to mold them into some specific idea we have for who they are or who they're going to be? Uh, there's, a, there's a great book uh, by an author named Alison Gopnik, and it's called The Gardener and the Carpenter. And she presents this really interesting comparison about how there are two kind of basic kinds of parents in modern America. And the gardener is somebody who is less concerned about controlling a child uh, who they'll become and is more concerned about cultivating a really healthy environment for the child to grow into whoever they are meant to be. And so that has an element of variety and some intention around that, but not so much intention around some specific idea about the about who the child will be. And the carpenter, on the other hand, they view their child as very, very moldable in very specific ways, almost like a piece of wood that you can cut and measure into some specific idea you have. And really both of these ideas are around some goal of what kind of adult you want your kid to be and different approaches to it. So this topic came to be because um, our daughter, Cece, is a second grader, seven years old, and we recently had her parent-teacher conference via Zoom. So it came up, um, kind of leading up to it, that we were talking about how she's doing and how we're curious because it's been a weird year. I mean, we've had Zoom to hybrid to in-person. Um, we have her back on remote because my parents are coming to visit and we're trying to prep for that. Yeah, I know she's been in second grade only during a pandemic. And it's, I mean, I mean, all bets are off. It's a and very this, different experience. Yeah. And this would be our first opportunity to talk to her teacher. And I mean, who the heck knows what to expect at that point? Right. Yeah. And, and everybody can probably relate because in the past years, we see them at drop-off, we see them at pickup. Uh, I used to do some um, class trips, some field trips, and so I get to chat with the teacher then. And you get kind of an idea about how your child's doing. I mean, we are clueless, no idea at all. So in any event, we started talking about, I wonder what she's going to say. Um, so here it comes, and you know, we get, we get the parent-teacher interview, and she's doing very well, but, um, but she's not first. Right? Not first. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing, I know, people are probably like, oh, brother. Second grade, you know. <laughs> I know. And, and here is where the topic begins, right? Mm. Because this is Dave and my conversation over the last few days of how much we have to kind of recreate what we think she's going to be because she's turning into her own person and we have mm. to give her room for self-development and all these things. Okay, a little history. My whole life, as I said in a previous episode, um, I've done pretty well academically, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. My parents never pushed us at all. I have a, a older brother and a younger sister, and they never pushed us. It was kind of like, you should work hard, you should do your homework, 
you want to take a night off of homework? No problem. It was us that put us to this high... Um, you had your own standards for yourself? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they... What kind of mind tricks they pulled on us, mm. but somehow they did it to all three of us in any event. So um, when it came time to come into um, activities... I chose to do um, cheerleading and basketball when I was younger. And then moving into high school, I picked everything. I mean, I did um, basketball and cross country and track. I was a big runner. I loved running. Um, I did, I think, every club you can possibly join except for home ec because the teacher didn't like me. (laughs) And That would dissuade me too. Rightly so because my cooking skills are horrible. This... um... Is true. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing they really pushed on me was piano. And I started piano lessons when I was five. Um, they said I can quit when I was 16. So oh, 11 years of piano lessons, which were grueling. So your parents pushed you. So they pretty much didn't push you a ton mm-hmm. except piano lessons. Like they were like, you got to learn piano. That's like the one thing that you're not allowed to quit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you feel about that now as an adult? Well, as an adult, Amazing. I mean, of course, I'm so glad. I've used it so many times. I play at our, some of our church services. Um, I'm able to use it for entertainment. It's mm-hmm. fun to just have that skill. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Yeah. it. It's my my peaceful moments when I need to de-stress or something. It's always nice to be able to play the piano. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a very similar childhood in that uh, school generally came pretty easy to me. I don't remember having to do a ton of homework or having to have my parents scold me or push me really when it came to schoolwork. When it came to activities, uh, it was generally sports. They basically, you know, got me into all the little kids sports. You know, I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, so it was like little league baseball and soccer. And then I tried wrestling and I did football. Did you want to do them? Yeah. I don't remember there being a big conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was always into sports, so that was great. The one thing uh, they never even had me dabble in were the arts. In, mm-hmm. in any form, uh, mm-hmm. whether it was music or drama or uh, painting or drawing or anything like that. There was art in school and all that stuff. But where I grew up, and I grew up outside of Lincoln, Nebraska, and everything was football. Mm-hmm. And the, the cool kids, they didn't, they didn't do the musicals or the drama. They didn't play in band. It was... Right. Just sports. Right. And I yeah. grew up in a small town too. Mm-hmm. And mine was opposite. Like all the cool kids did everything. You give me a show tune and I will know every word. It's a gift and a curse that Nancy knows. Love it. Like the cheesiest music. Oh, it's a gift. It is not yeah. a curse in any way she performs. <laughs> it is a gift. <laughs> Only if she gets a hold of the playlist and starts <laughs> uh, having taking liberties with what plays over the house speakers. But uh, in any event, uh, then for me, like... Later on in life, I've really gotten into the arts. Like I picked up guitar in college and, and have gotten to play and I really enjoy it. I still never learned how to sight read. So if Nance and I play together, I struggle to keep up with her. But uh, definitely gotten into painting a little bit, photography, videography. And, and part of me wonders though, would it have mattered if my parents pushed me into that as a kid or did I just need to discover that on my own? So now as parents ourselves, now, of course, we're using our memories and our experiences as children to raise our own child. And um, and we really want her to have as much self-discovery as humanly possible, to be her own person. But it's hard. Mm. It is so hard because 
we have this now criteria of the people that we were and and we don't want to screw up right like we don't want to mess up who she becomes mm -hmm. and we want her to have enough self-discovery and um but still kind of guide her in this right path right and so in doing that um when this parent teacher conference came up i was thinking like already she's so much not like me right it's like she we're so different she's my child and um and i'm trying to have her explore who she is and these little things pop up like now that she has independence she has her opinion about clothes and i always thought she was going to be my girly girl you know my my glitter and rainbows and girly girl mm. and um and although she loves glitter and rainbows she hates dresses oh okay oh. And, like a little piece of me died a little bit but at the same time i'm like okay you're right like you don't have to this is not something we're going to argue about it's clothes i don't you know i don't care what you wear mm -hmm. so okay let's find something you do like what what makes you feel comfortable what makes you feel most like you and she said i like um like t-shirts that are comfortable and um and she doesn't mind like a little lace she doesn't mind like a little ruffle but she wants to wear pants you know she wants to wear leggings something that's comfortable and able to move in and run in Okay, great. So we picked out some leggings, we picked out some longer tops, and we came to this natural, easy. So now getting ready in the morning, not a big deal. It was a big deal for a little while. It was though. a big deal. Until was... we found out that that's what it was, though. Like we couldn't figure it out, right? So, anyways, yeah. um, it, but it, it came out just fine. And now it's not a big deal. And she picks out what she likes and easy. Okay. So, the other thing was, was Dave wanted her to love Star Wars. Yes, right? I wanted so desperately for CC to like Star Wars. But it turns out Darth Vader's kind of scary, especially to a to a young kid. Some some don't mind it and they don't get phased by it, but not her thing, you know? <laughs> she hates Star Wars. So Right. And Nancy, you don't like Star Wars either. So that's just that's just I like a either. that's like a daddy thing, you know? And that's okay. You right. know, I still love you guys. <laughs> still love you guys. But it's uh that'll be just this like nerd holiday I get to go on, you know, once a year when the new movie comes out and that's okay and that's okay she's her own she's her own person she's not me and she's not nancy she's cc right yeah and so it's kind of coming to, to our own thought process is okay we have to guide her but we don't have to make decisions for her about these things that are very personal mm -hmm. right so i mean clothes don't really matter entertainment i don't i don't care what movie you like i don't care what kind of music you like listening to she she does not like the music we listen to. She likes country, which is hilarious. <laughs> she likes the music Nancy yeah, listens right. to. <laughs> but a lot of like our um, like cool Matt Nathanson and um, David Gray, like that, she does not like that kind of stuff. It's too mm -mm. sleepy for her, Yeah. Um, which is fine as well. So she's starting to make her own decisions and starting to come into her own, um, which brings us to the point of how much do we push, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we had her in dance early on. And um, we also tried piano, mm -hmm. we tried guitar, mm -hmm. we tried voice. Mm -hmm. um, she did not pursue piano, she did not pursue guitar. She kind of is like, well, maybe I will later, not now. Yeah. Does not like dance. Yeah. Um, did Is still doing voice, but for voice, it was kind of a struggle because she said, I love it, I hate it, I love it, I hate it. And now she loves it again. <laughs> so, I mean, we're just going to kind of play it out. And she has a beautiful voice. Um, she does really, really well. But it's one of those things like, how far do you push it? Mm -hmm. And so we have to make that decision. And so we're kind of just 
playing by ear right now. Yeah, it's kind of a balance uh, with with kids because kids are whiners a little bit, uh, and sometimes that's okay. They maybe they shouldn't do that thing if it's really agonizing for them. But then sometimes it's like, no, nah, you're just kind of whining, and I think you should do this because this is good for you. Because not everything that's good for you is fun or pleasant at the time. I think the other thing too with her though is when she's in a lesson, she gets an energy about her that we don't usually see when she has to practice. Mm-hmm. Like it's the practice part, right? Mm-hmm. And when she gets into it, I can see enough. And I think if she absolutely hated it, like if she was in a lesson and she was like, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't want to do it. You know, and was just like kind with, of, with the instructor. With the instructor. Yeah. I yeah. think I would sense it. But she gets so much energy when she gets on that call, that that Zoom lesson with her instructor, that um, I can't take her out of it yet. Yeah. You know, I'm going to push a little bit for that one. Yeah. It's good for her. It's yeah. good for her because it gets her out of her element a little bit and uh, getting her into the arts a little bit. And that's if there's a dadism I have, it's it's with Cece. It's how do you get good at anything? I always tell her mm-hmm. and she'll say by practicing. I'm like, right. Mm-hmm. That's how you get good at anything. So that's where kids do need to be pushed a little bit is if there's anything that it takes you that it takes getting good at, it takes some some practice. Well, we ran into this interesting story. Dave read a book about Andre Agassi, and um, he's going to tell a story a little bit, but it really rang home and kind of how we're feeling right now about these moments and how it can play back the other way if you push a little too hard. Yeah, as a parent, is it what are the consequences if you do push too hard? Is that right. going to basically ruin your relationship? And so mm-hmm. uh, Andre Agassi, uh, and for people that are listening who don't know who he is, he was this famous tennis star from the 80s and 90s for the most part. And he was one of the best male players in history. He won a career Golden Slam, which is basically he won uh, every one of the the Grand Slams plus an Olympic gold medal. And then he married Steffi Graf, who was one of the most accomplished female tennis players of all time. And in the 80s and 90s, she was basically the Serena Williams of that time. Mm -hmm. She was solid. Yeah, she was she was the number one ranked player in the world for 377 weeks. How many years is that even? I don't even know. So they ha- are married. They have a son and a daughter. But guess what? They didn't they didn't have their kids play tennis at all. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because both Andres and Steffi's dads pushed them into tennis relentlessly from the day they were born. And it was so so much so that it soured them from tennis in general and that they refused to push their kids when they got older, yeah. at least not in that way. Their kids would be supersonic, wouldn't they? Oh, if you were like a mad scientist wanting to create tennis players in a lab, you couldn't do better than having these two get married and have, have kids. And right. then they had a boy and a girl. Right, that's crazy. <laughs> so just as a couple of really brief examples, uh, with Andre, his dad, his dad built a tennis court next to their house and they weren't like wealthy people or anything. Uh, and he got a ball machine and he rigged the thing to shoot tennis balls at Andre at like 110 miles an hour. And he made Andre practice on this thing when he was seven years old. Right. So, I mean, it was Cece's age and she would run (laughs) the other way screaming. (laughs) Dad, no. (laughs) Totally. Uh, With Steffi, uh, her dad, uh, when she was born, he proclaimed that she was going to be a champion as a newborn infant in his, in his arms. So when she was, when she was like a toddler, he, he gave her a sawed-off old-school wooden racket, and he would basically hit balls at her on the couch. And if she successfully hit 25 of them back at him, he'd give her ice cream and strawberries. 
And the, the shtick was though, usually he'd say on the 25th one, he would just hit it too hard so she couldn't return it because he's like, she can't have she can't have ice cream and strawberries all the time. That's so sad. <laughs> wah, wah. So Andre, he turned pro at age 16, left home to be a pro tennis player at age 16. Steffi, she turned pro at age 14. Wow. Yeah. How much of that is just completely robbing kids of their childhood? And, and that's one of the things that CeCe's teacher actually talked about because CeCe's in a competitive school. And um, and we have to realize that she's probably not going to be first in her class. Like Mm -hmm. chances are it's a whole bunch of like Harvard students together and, you know, they're all competing against each other. It's not like you have um, it's not it's not like that it's uh, diverse in that academic field. Right. They're all they're all like really smart. Yeah. How much does it matter how they compare to each other? right? Right. And it's like. If you go to the freshman class at Harvard and you mm-hmm. tell them, hey, 99% of you are not going to finish in the top 1% of your class, they all are like, yeah. <clears throat> right. Heart, like it's sh- heartbroken. Shocking, right? <laughs> and, and her teacher said to me, um, this was before Dave got on the call, but she said, you know, here at the school, it's tough because um, everybody wants their child to be the best, right? That's why you send them to the school. You want them to be the best. And she's like, but from experience, I just have to tell you, it's okay. You know, like where your child is at this moment, no matter where they're at on the spectrum, it's all good. They're all smart and they're all going to be successful. Like it's just how it works out. So like, don't stress about these times now, allow them to have a childhood and allow them to experience youth and playing and jumping on the jungle gym and um, running around and giggling and all these things. An unstructured time, unstructured time. So like with Steffi and Andre, they ate, slept and breathed tennis Mm -hmm. from the day they were born. And so when they became parents, they kind of rejected that for their own kids. They said, no, we're just going to kind of let you be who you're, who you're meant to be and who you want to be. Right. But on the other side of the spectrum, if we didn't have the Steffies and the Andres of the world, who would entertain us, mm-hmm. right? We have to have the NBA people, and we have to have the NFL people, and the tennis pros, and mm-hmm. the entertainers, and the actors who pushed and pushed and pushed to get to where they are, um, or else there wouldn't be an industry, right? Yeah, and, and you can you can always wonder, would Andre or Steffi become as good as they were had they not had the childhood they had. That's where you get that sort of quandary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if anybody's seen, there's this really great movie called Whiplash and it's actually about jazz drumming, but it's a lot of it's based around that premise of like, if somebody achieves greatness, but it came at the cost of them being pushed ruthlessly and even cruelly, does the ends justify the means? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. And, mm-hmm. and no one will ever know, right? Mm-hmm. Because those people push, push, push and end up where they are. And um, and some of us don't. And Roger Federer would, would uh, present a different example where he actually had a mom who was a tennis coach and she never actually coached him in tennis. He just played all kinds of different sports. He did uh, badminton and soccer and all sorts of different things. And it wasn't until he was maybe like in middle school that he started actually getting serious about tennis. And so that variety of childhood that he had and, and actually getting into tennis at a later age, he still became one of the best tennis players of all time. Right. So he had it in him already. He had that 
um, drive and maybe a little genetics behind him. Mm -hmm. And he got to have the childhood and he still ended up where he was. So yeah, it's a really interesting question. You can probably go round and round and round with mm -hmm. people's opinions of where that person would end up. Um, but like we said, we're just putting it out there just for thoughts, food for thought to consider. Yeah. Another uh, really extreme example would be Michael Jackson, right? He was in the Jackson mm -hmm. 5 as a kid. Always had to rehearse. They always had to go on the road and sing in shows. And then when he gets to be an adult, m maybe if he had a different childhood, he still would have ended up as kind of a odd dude. But he built Neverland, you know, at his ranch, mm -hmm. like an amusement park on his at his house, basically because he felt like he was robbed of his childhood. Which is an another sad story. I mean, yeah. it's just it's heartbreaking because childhood has and our youth has so many lessons to learn and so many um fun memories you know to think about like running around i mean we used to run around at nighttime with flashlights and do freeze tag in the open streets oh, that's the best. of our town it was i mean so many fun things that um a lot of these athletes may have missed out on mm -hmm. um but how do we how do we see it? like what's the what's the take home message here? And I think that as Dave and I have been talking through the last few days about our own situation, there are certain things that we are going to push for and that we're going to drive for our daughter. Those are the things that aren't graded, right? These are non technical, non skill, non technical skills. But what? Okay, what right. are you talking about? Like empathy. You know, you can teach empathy. You can mm -hmm. you can teach a kid empathy, and you know how you do it is you, uh, if they did something wrong and you need to correct them, you base your language around how they made another person feel because of their actions, and that can actually instill empathy in a kid because it makes them think about how their behavior affects other people. Mm -hmm. And kindness, of course, and gratitude. I mean, one of the things that we really focus on is. Um, what are you grateful for? Like what, look at all we have and um, don't focus on what you don't have, but look at everything you have. I mean, we have a warm house, we have um, good friends, we have food on the table, and we have all these wonderful, beautiful things that give us everything that we need. And we really try to focus on um, gratitude and thankfulness for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are skills that are timeless, that will certainly last into adulthood. And whether I got a medal in wrestling in fourth or fifth grade, uh, or I got like a baseball trophy when I was 12, that was fun at the time, but it doesn't mean a whole lot right now. Well, and I think that those things too, like we don't want to negate the fact that those were great memories too. And and they added to your confidence. And I'm sure that those those were good moments to have when you were that age. Yeah, but we don't want to, I guess what I'm saying, and I appreciate that, is you don't want to place an outside, outsized level of importance on that stuff. You right. know, like really what, what does matter in becoming a really functioning and con good, good adult, contributing to society in a meaningful way. Right. So what we say, we said empathy, community, kindness, gratitude, generosity, you know, giving, um, another thing that we have is a chore list. And so when Cece does chores, part of the, the Dave Ramsey method is to um, save some, spend some, and give some. And so um, we try really hard to show her that um, giving is part of this whole world process of mm -hmm. growing up. Yeah. So if we're going to, if we're going to be carpenters with CC in some way, it's going to be like, you will be a good human. Okay. Right. <laughs> like right. you don't get a choice about that. Right. But when it comes to like, do you like tennis? Do you like uh, math? 
do you want to be an engineer? Do you want to be a dentist? It's like, you know, we'll kind of let her have some say in that. Right. We're going to ease up a little bit on that stuff and really um, push for the things that really matter. So when it comes to parenting, strive to be a little more of a gardener than a carpenter. And always remember that the things that aren't graded are usually the things that matter the most.